All right, raise your Bibles real good. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. I can have what it says I can have. Today I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And my ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. My life is better after having heard the word of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, well, well. Pastor has been preaching and teaching a series called Living a Better Life. And we have been learning some things. Today we're going to talk about the power of persistence, winning, the power of the persistence. But we learned that the better life is available, but it's not what? Automatic. Right? It's available, but it's not what? Automatic. We've also learned that a better life is achieved by making better what? Decisions. And that we're a summation of the decisions that we previously made. But the good news is if we make better decisions, then in a little while we'll be the summation of the better decisions we've made. All right. We also learned that it takes faith to change. It takes faith to change. For the better. And finally, we learn that having a better life without a better heart results in what? Not enjoying the better life. Today, we are going to look at winning as part of the better life. And in order to win, we must be persistent. Say persistent. See, sometimes we think because we have faith and we're born again, that this journey towards a better living is going to be without any challenge, without any obstacle. It's just microwaved and we're packaged up and it's perfect. But you know, that's not true. We get born again and it seems like then all hell breaks loose. So this time, we're, this message really came to my heart because my pastor, Dr. Bridget, always says, we always win. We always win. And I was like, where is she getting this from? We always win. So when I started studying it out, I realized we do always win. First Timothy 6, 12 says, we are to fight the good fight of faith. A fight can't be good all the time. I mean, no, if you know you're going to win, the fight is good. No, if you know you're the chump, the fight is not good. So we're going to fight the good fight of faith. So the trip to a better life is not without a cost and it's not without a challenge. Now, when you're on the road to a better life, there are three things that happen. Say three things. The first thing that happens, you can encounter discouragement. Discouragement. You can be on your way to a better life. You can be on your way to doing so many great things and then you hit discouragement. Now, what is discouragement? Now, I have a very long definition for discouragement. This is not the Webster's dis- uh, discouragement. This is the pastor Edmund's spirit is upon me, discouragement. Because when he gives definitions, they are like the longest thing in history. So I figured I would just, you know, follow his example. Discouragement is any event, obstacle, or challenges That are designed to drain the passion of moving forward from us so that we can slow down, detour, or give up. All right. It's any event, obstacle, or challenge designed to drain the passion of moving forward from us so we can slow down, detour, or give up. For example, when we were believing for Landon and we were trying to get pregnant. Every time I would take that little blue, clear blue pregnancy test and it said, N-O, no, no, no. I was discouraged. 
And my face would get all long. And I would mope. And Eben would be like, sweet, where's your faith? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know know where the faith is. I'm like, Peter, Lord, help my faith. You know, I would get so discouraged after like 25 tests later, 30 tests later. I mean, I was like buying all the Walgreens out. And then I would see all these people that bump up and just get pregnant. And I get really mad because I would get really mad at the crack people who would get pregnant. Like all the drug users, all the people who just sleeping wherever they want. Everyone's busted pregnant. And I'm going, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to do right. I mean, I'm, t- I'm a tither. I'm a seed giver. You know, I'm trying to do right by your Lord Jesus. Try to read the Bible every other Thursday. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff. And just wasn't getting pregnant. But all these people just hot, 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 you know, dropping it like it's hot and just like pregnant up. So I'd get mad. And so I was getting discouraged. But, you know. Then I had to learn that. I had to learn to celebrate the joys of others. And when I got that bitterness out, then bam, then I got pregnant. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, be strong and of good courage. Don't fear. Don't be afraid of them for the Lord is your God. He will go with you. So God has a cure for discouragement. He has courage for your discouragement. The second thing is you will encounter disgruntled others. Say disgruntled others. Disgruntled others. These are people with negative attitudes. They're poisonous with their words and have evil intents designed to derail us from our goal through fantasy or factual rehearsing of our past mistakes or perceived future. Let me break that down for you. These are the haterators. So what they do is they either make up stuff in their heads that don't even exist or they try to hold you to your past and say you're not good enough. You know, say that somebody drops out of college and you're trying to apply for a job and you go to your friend and you say, you know what? I'm going to try and apply for this job. Did you finish college? Don't they require college degree in business administration for that job? See, see, that's what I'm saying. They're disgruntled others. They come up with something to what's wrong. Or you're saying, man, I'm going to go buy a new house. But y'all look like you're struggling. Why would you even try to buy a new house? Y'all can't manage where you are. You see what I'm saying? That kind, those kind of people. You're going to encounter discouragement. Then you're going to encounter disgruntled others. People who are just miserable. Misery loves company. Don't take them on. Don't take them on. That's what we say in Jamaica. Don't take them on. At all. First Kings 13, 24. There was a story about a prophet. And God had told the prophet, hey, when you finish this job, I need you to go straight home. Do not stop. Do not go to jail. Go right around. Don't, don't, just pass, go. Keep going. And um, the prophet decided that he had more wisdom than God. So as he was coming down the way, another prophet stopped him and said, hey, you know, stop, eat. Let's have a little lunch. The prophet said, no, God told me I need to go straight home. I'm not going to stop. The, the prophet said, but hey, hold on. I'm a prophet like you. In other words, he was like, hey, player, we're just in the same game. Come on, let's stop over here at Club 56, you know. And so he was like, all right, you know, he's a prophet too, so we're going to do it. But this was a person who was disgruntled because he was stopping him from going to do what God wanted him to do. Do you know that he sat down there and ate the lunch, got his belly full, burped, passed gas, did whatever he did. And then when he came out, a lion ate him up and the lunch. Ate him and the lunch. So here it is. You can't, you can't be detoured by disgruntled others. You got to keep moving. Keep it moving. 
Disillusionment. The third thing is disillusionment. You get disillusioned when our own fatigue, feelings, and fears cause us not to see or remember the reality of the better life. This is when you're just tired. This is just when, you know, pastor used to always say to me, it's going to be greater later. It's going to be greater later. Lord Jesus. If I, I mean, that thing was engraved like a tattoo up in my brain. It's going to be greater later. And I'll just be getting all discouraged. Like, but babe, when is later? When is later? You know, oh, you know, and he would say, sweet, this is what we're going to do. You know, this is what God has called us to do. And I'm like trying to see, I can't see because I was so exhausted and tired of waiting. When is my marriage going to change? When is my life going to change? When is my money going to change? And you can be your own worst enemy because you get frustrated in the waiting. You get frustrated and exhausted and tired in the waiting. But I'm here to tell you, don't quit. Some people can have the better life and some people don't. When you succumb to disillusionment, when you succumb to discouragement, when you succumb to uh, disgruntled others, then you will stop pressing and you'll allow your circumstances to curtail your progress. Now let's turn to the Bible. I know you all were wondering, does she actually read the Bible because she hasn't turned to it yet? Okay, but I do read the Bible. Like I said, every other Thursday. Okay, so if you will go to 1 Kings, go to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18, and I got a story for you. This is a story about Elijah and Ahab. Now, if you don't know about Ahab, Ahab was married to Jezebel. Oh, I could really preach that Ahab stuff here right here, but, you know, we're going to stop on, we're going to leave Ahab alone today. It's not Father's Day. It's not Father's Day. It's Mother's Day. So what we're going to do is Ahab and Elijah. There was a drought, verses 41 to 46, verses 41 to verses 46. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a what? There's a what? There is a sound. What is the sound of an abundance of rain? That's what I want to know. How does the abundance of rain sound? It wasn't there because it was still drought. There is a sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. You know what? This is a pattern with Ahab, you know. Now to think of it. Remember when uh, the guy there, there was this guy one time and Ahab wanted his vineyard. Man, he wanted his vineyard and the guy said, I'm not going to give you my vineyard because my fathers and my father's fathers gave this vineyard to me. And the Bible says that Ahab went in and was sulking and he wouldn't eat and he wouldn't drink. And Jezebel came and said, hey, why are you not eating? Why are you not drinking? He said, because so-and-so will not give me his vineyard. And she said, what, aren't you the king? Take it. And she delivered it over. She killed the man and and gave the thing. This is, Ahab is a powder. Ahab is a king. He is a man. No, he's supposed to be the top man. He's supposed to be the top dog. But he is a whiner. He's like a kindergartner. What is this? It's drought. It's hard. It's tough. Instead of him manning up, he over there sulking. What's going on here? Men of God, please don't pout. It's hard for us women to be married to a pouter now. Y'all just shut down, face long. I don't want nothing you're giving me, nothing. I'm trying to give you the food and you're just like, I'm not hungry. <laughs> you know, this is Ahab. It's a pattern for this fellow here. But anyway, so this is what happens. So this is what happens. Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down and he prayed. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And when he went up, he said, there is what? 
But remember, he said there was a sound of an abundance of rain. And so then he says, there's nothing. And Elijah said to the servant, go again seven times. Let me tell you, you may not see it on the first time. You may not even see it on the second time. You know that third time you put in that credit app? You may not see it then. You know that last uh, counseling session for your marriage? You may not see it at the fifth one. But the Bible says he said to him, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, I see a little what? It's little, but little is a start. And you never know what your faith is doing. Just because you don't see your faith working don't mean it's not working. Just because you're declaring and you're confessing and you're standing doesn't mean nothing is not going on. It's like a plant. You don't see when the roots are growing, but it's growing. Your stuff is working for you. That better life is coming for you. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't strike out. Hold on. That it is coming. And then the Bible says that he said, tell Ahab, hurry up, get his chariot because that flood is going to come. It's going to overtake him. And then he ran on. But let me ask you this. Supposing you quit too soon. Go to 2 Kings 13. See, you're not supposed to quit. But sometimes we do quit. Sometimes we do quit. So 2 Kings 13, 18 and 19. And this is what happened. This was Elisha, and Elisha went to the king, and Elisha was going to die. And the king went to him, and uh, Elisha said, hey, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take some arrows. I'm going to put my hand on your arrow, and you're going to shoot. And so when the king shot the, the, the bow and arrow, then Elisha said, the Assyrians will be delivered unto you this day. But then he said to him, okay, no, I'm not going to help you no more. You shoot. And the Bible says, he said, um, verse 18, he said, take the arrows. And he took them and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And the king smite or, or hit it three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have hit it five or six times. Then you would have totally destroyed Syria. But now you'll only defeat them three times. What happens when you quit too soon? When you decide you can't take enough and you just won't walk out. But, you know, you could just stay one more night. You could knock on that opportunity one more time. You could submit for your car one more time. You could say, that is my promotion one more time. Apply back for school one more time. Don't just quit on the first time. Don't even quit on the second time. Don't quit on the third time. He's saying, man, if you had kept beating that thing down eventually, you would have destroyed all your enemies. We quit too soon. Now, if you're going to have this better life, let me tell you what you're going to need. You're going to need two things. You're going to need conviction. Say conviction. And you're going to need some persistence. Say persistence. Say I'm going to need conviction and persistence. Conviction says, I know that I know that I know that I know. Like your name. You're convinced that's your name, right? As you can see, Nicole is convinced her name is now Chewy. Now, if you all don't watch Chelsea Handler, you all don't know what Chewy is. But you know. Don't watch her. She's so crass. Anyway, conviction says, I know that I know. Persistence says, I do, and I keep doing until I see what I need to see. Conviction says, I'm fully persuaded. I'm totally convinced. But you cannot be persistent without being convinced. If you, the Bible says that we fight this good fight of faith, right? We fight this good fight of faith. The faith fight is only good because we win. If you do not really believe that we win, 
you will not fight. You back down. Anything the devil throw at you, you just, you know, you just fall apart. You freak out. You flip out. You know, anytime it's any kind of little trouble happens in your marriage, any little trouble happens on your job. Oh God, why me? Why me? You just start panicking. But you have got to know that this fight is fixed in your favor. It is already designed and you are already built to win. Because the Bible declares that greater, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. You have no option but to win. Even when your flesh fails, even when your emotions going crazy, on the inside of you, that spirit of God that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in you bodily, the Bible says. And that makes you able to win 100% of the time. Winning is not optional. Losing is, is, is not, it's not, it's not even in your vocabulary. You're born to win. Amen. Now, let me tell you something. It's a predictable fight. Now, did you all see the Mayweather fight? How many of you all saw the Mayweather fight? Oh, that's what I like. Did y'all watch the whole fight? Okay, we, all right, well. See, I can't jump on with my shoes, so let me just, we want to tell you what's going to happen with this fight here. Hold on. Let me tell you what happened in that fight. Oh, they came out all in the undefeated. Floyd Mayweather. And you know, he's so cute, you know. I hate boxing, but I love me some Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> oh, I love his teeth. Lord Jesus. It's like I love Denzel and his... Lord mercy. Hallelujah. I can't stand boxing because sometimes when boxers, I can't. Oh, Lord, they need some help. But that Floyd boy, he is fit. You ever watch Floyd? He trained like nobody trains. So they talk about, you know, undefeated 42 times. And then they have this Mosley guy come up. You know, he just looked like big, incredible Hulk. You know, and they come up and they're fighting and they're doing their thing, you know. And then, bam, Floyd gets hit like that. I mean, he got hit square. I mean, like, like, you never seen Floyd Mayweather get hit like that. So then Mariah Carey was on the side and she was like, <laughs> you know, and her husband, Nick Cannon was like, and everybody's all, you know, like, Ooh, what's happening? It's the second round, second round. But here's the deal. Floyd started laughing. You know, that's how he do when he got this. That's how he do. When, when you think you got something, he start laughing. He starts smiling. And I was believing that he was saying you know, I know there's something on the inside of me. You may have hit me in the second round, but the training I got, I can go 12. I can go 15. I can go 20. Nobody can outlast Floyd Mayweather on no rounds. I don't care who you are. So he went back to the corner. And when he went back to the corner, you know, he, he got hit and, you know, they start all this hugging stuff, you know, to recoup. They have to hug to recoup, you know. So he, <laughs> and you know Floyd, he fight with his left shoulder. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> right? So he goes to the corner. And the coach says to him, coach says to him, hey, he's trying to take you to a street fight. He's trying to fight. Don't fight, Floyd. Box. Don't fight. Box. And, you know, that just jumped in my spirit because he was saying to him, Floyd, don't use what you don't know, brother. 
You got to know what you know. Use what you're good at. You're good at boxing, not street fighting. I'm saying the same thing to you. You've got to be like Floyd Mayweather. You've got to know that you know that word. you got to go with what you know. You can't go outside. you got to come back and last them rounds. you got to say, well, square up, square up. you got to go like this and bow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what I'm saying. And if you, if you, if you really have some courage and you whoa, whoa. You just put some tie bow inside of it. You always win. I mean, when I saw that fight, I said, you know what? He did not give up. He did not give up because he knew that he could outlast his opponent. He knew that he was good at fighting. He knew that he's the best. He was not going to let his 42 clear record win go down to nothing. Not for no Mosley. Mosley Mo. So I am here to tell you. That the Bible declares that we win. So when you are in a down, dirty fight for your better life, for your better marriage, for your man of God, for your woman of God, when you are in one of them down, dirty fights, you pull your hair back. You take whatever you need off and put it on. Grease yourself up. Stand flat-footed. And when the devil punch you, you just come back and you say, oh, no, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. Oh, he come back again. He punch you. Say, oh no, but whatever is born of God overcometh the world, even my faith. He come again. You say, no, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He may try to hit you on the side. You say, oh, this is just a temporary affliction. This is just a light thing for the glory that is set before me. He's even greater. He may hit you again. And you say, but nay, in more than these things, we are more than conquerors. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. For I am the head and not the tail. I don't have to back down. I don't have to sidestep. I can come square to you, toe to toe. And I can say, I always win. I got Jesus on the inside. I am not a coward. I'm not scared. I got the way maker. I've got he that is in me. Greater than he's in the world. So today, look at your neighbor and say, I always win. I'm persistent. I can last. And I'm going to win. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You got to be ready for the devil. You can't quit. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing because in due season you will win. If you don't faint. And I believe through her message, some of y'all was ready to quit. And God is saying, don't you quit. Go back in the corner. Go back to church. Put that CD in. Listen to the word. And get back in the fight. Because you keep fighting until you win. Don't give up on your marriage just because he has or she has. You keep fighting. Amen. Did she do a good job? Amen. Every head bow and every eye closed.